0: Today's episode of the Believe in Steelers podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.ag and week nine of the NFL season is here, Ike. And if you want to place a bet on the action, BetOnline is the place to do it. I
2: bet you, and we can go to BetOnline.ag, that this show will be an amazing show. We got some, some guest speakers with us today, man. The Pittsburgh Steelers is playing the Chicago Bills oh.
0: Monday night. And we're going to get right to that, Ike. But before you do, head to the new and updated Desktop or mobile website, betonline.ag, to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B L E A V, five zero, to receive your bonus. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, cue the music. It's time to start the show. Welcome to the Believe in Steelers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, joined as always by my guy, two-time Super Bowl champion and 12-year veteran of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ike Taylor. I.T., I'm really excited about today's show, breaking down Steelers and Bears. Got some exciting guests on today's episode. Recording this on Wednesday. It'll be due out Friday morning, but how are you doing this afternoon, my man? I'm good,
2: Mark. Mark, I can't wait to get the show started, man. We do got some good guests, man. Talking less Chicago and Pittsburgh still in football.
0: We had to keep it in the family too, right They're part of the Believe Podcast Network on the Believe in Bears podcast. So from that show, we welcome in Joey Christopoulos and former Chicago Bears defenseman Corey Wooten. Fellas, welcome to the show. And I got to start right off the top and we'll start with Corey. Monday Night Football, but no Manning cast this weekend. In my opinion, a huge blown opportunity. Talking Steelers and Bears, we won't have the Manning brothers on Monday night.
3: I know it's it's not the same without them. You know they they put a different flair on this Monday Night Football. It's good that we see them out there. But hey, we got the we got the Steelers, we got the Bears playing
0: prime time. I'm excited. Joey, hop in here. I, it, I mean, Steelers six and a half point favorite, but I would love to see. The Mannings break this game down and it breaks my heart just a little bit that, you know, you have to look at the schedule each week and it's like I'm just so used to seeing them. I know they're only on for 10 games this season, but we got to get them for all now 17 games that the 17 game regular season has been messing. I cannot eye up all year long. Mark, first of all,
1: dude, super special to be on this pod right now. I'm talking to a dude that picked off Tom Brady and Andrew Luck and Drew Brees. I'm talking to my man, Corey, who sacked Aaron Rodgers, ended Brett Favre's career. I ate seven hot dogs in a game. This is a very special. I, I feel like we're all equals here. I feel very special about this one. But, hey, man, you know what? It is such a bummer. If the Bears are going to lose their fourth game in a row, might as well like watch Peyton Manning eat barbecue or something like that at halftime to give me something to look at. We were already, me and my wife, we were trying to figure out is it going to be George Went? Was it going to be Jeff Goldblum? Who were going to be special guests? You know, maybe an Ike Taylor, maybe a Corey Wooten. They're skipping it. They're messing this up. They got this one wrong, Mark. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and we were trying to campaign to get Ike on. Let's start with the keys to this game, though. You have two teams that are kind of going in opposite directions. Steelers on a three game winning streak, headed into week nine, six and a half point favorites. Ike, I'll start with you here and take this in any direction you see fit. What are the keys for both of these teams in this Monday night matchup? Exactly what
2: the headline saying right now. Steelers have to commit to the run. That's the only way the Steelers have a chance. That's the only way the Pittsburgh Steelers are one in three games in a row. And Mark, you and I have been talking about this for the longest, man. The Pittsburgh Steelers can run over 30 times and let big Ben throw under 30, man. They got their self-opportunity. Not only with the offense and getting the running back Najee in the groove with the offensive line, but also the play-action pass you've been seeing what Pat the tight end been doing when it comes down to clutch situation, catching comeback balls in the end zone. But at the same time, man, you giving your defense a rest at court. You already know, man. When 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 the offense controls the clock, it's good watching the offense double team, kick butt on the opposing team defense while you sitting there and you watching. Then when you get back on the field, man, you don't mind giving them three and outs. You you like when it's eighty plays on the offense, sixty plays on the defense. When it you're
0: comes, you're refreshed.
3: To- you're refreshed. You get some of the oxygen. Get your get your breath in there. It feels good. Yeah. I agree
0: with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I can go ahead, Corey. Hop in.
3: Oh no, I was going to say I, I feel I feel like that the Bears have need the same plan. You talk about the running game. That's that's the same thing. I, I look at these teams as very similar offensively. Passing the ball, both teams have kind of struggled at times. When they've done well in the passing game, it starts with the running game, setting it up. And, Joey, we've been talking about it for weeks. You know, when they're able to get that running game going, especially a guy like Justin Fields, Ben Roethlisberger, they feel more comfortable with that play action. They're able to pat their feet a little bit, get their eyes down the field. Everything comes together and that's what I'm seeing from the Bears as well. In the games they've done well offensively, it starts with the running game. And what you're talking about, the Steelers getting the running game going, the Bears have really struggled stopping the run. That's something that I, you, you know, from playing against the Bears just over the years, they normally stop the run. That's that's one of their fortes defensively, and we just haven't seen them stop the run this year.
0: Yeah, to piggyback yeah. off Ike's point two, the Steelers in the running game, weeks one through four, 55 yards per game since week five. So during that three-game winning streak, 127 yards on the ground. So you see that dichotomy where you look overall. Steelers are 28th overall in rushing, but they've established the ground game during that three-game winning streak. Put Big Ben on that pitch count, as you like to say, Ike, to where he's not throwing the ball 40 or 50 times in a game. He's throwing it 25 to 30. You're controlling the line of scrimmage and controlling time of possession, what that does to help a defense.
2: Yeah, seven, seven, and we all know when I say seven, we're talking about Big Ben. Like seven isn't a big Ben he once was. Seven was able to scramble, make big plays, extend plays, throw the ball down the field to his receivers, score touchdowns, have a splash plays, Course T like to call it. But on the flip side with Chicago, man, you you it's eleven on eleven because you got a running back that plays quarterback in just the field. Not only is he good passing the ball, and he will continue to get better, but he's also good running the ball. So when you got a guy like that, man, this will do a threat. So the Pittsburgh still is going to have their handful as well, trying to defend Justin Fields on what he can do, not only pass, but him running the ball.
0: Yeah. And we'll see if David Montgomery comes off IR this week. He's eligible to come back this week. Key running back there. I know Herbert's looked good as a rookie in the backfield for the Bears. And then Damian Williams off the COVID list too. I know he missed a game as well due to a positive COVID test too. So Bears able to run the football and they've just struggled offensively despite the fact that you've got some, you know, talent at the skill position players. I'm talking about Allen Robinson. I'm talking about David Montgomery when he's healthy, you know, some of the tight ends that they can get them going in the mix too. And that's really been one of the frustrating things. Yeah. You've got a rookie quarterback in Justin Fields and let's just get right into that. Now, Courtney, if you want to move to the next slide Coming off the, the loss to the 49ers, Joey, I wanted to see where you were at with this. There's really two schools of thought, and really it's somewhere in the middle to where you saw two incredible plays from Justin Fields. I'm talking about that touchdown run that he had where he reverses the course of the field and looks like a man amongst boys on a touchdown run. And then he also had the rollout pass to tight end Jesse James where he throws a touchdown you know, off platform, if you will, it's an incredible throw, especially if you see it from some of the different angles, but are you of the thought process where there's hope coming out of the 49ers game, just given what we saw from fields or the fact that the Bears scored two touchdowns offensively, they lost to double digits to a sub 49ers team that hadn't won in 42 days. Where are you at with that? Joey? Well, keep in
1: mind that Chicago Bears have lost three games in a row as well. So we were building on our own streak while we played them at the exact same time. And to kind of capitalize the previous point that we were talking about, the Bears over the last three games are averaging 150 rushing yards. They're allowing 160. So that's a that's the big issue right there on top of it and something that I think Steelers fans can probably look forward to and take advantage of. Just kind of do a previously on with Justin Fields and Corey, you know, you can back this up with me. We've been on it since the very beginning. This has all been just trying to get Justin Fields to make progress every single week. We know that there are going to be bumps in the road. It's not going to be a linear path, but this past week against the 49ers was especially something that I think we can all call progress. It's been a bit of comedy of errors at times with the Chicago Bears offensive. We were worried about our offensive line and a play caller who didn't necessarily recognize that you need to bring in chip help with tight ends and you need to do max protect. And then as he slowly began to figure that out after the Browns game, we saw some progress with the Lions game. We saw a little progress with that Raiders game, even though it was on the road. And then all of a sudden you kind of go back and revert back to your old self with the Buccaneers. So tentatively, tepidly, the Bears fans, and I think everyone should be very happy about Justin Fields, I think, you know, Corey, man, you can back me up on this one because this was your point made all along. Okay. It's now going to be about how does he play this week against, obviously, T.J. Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, an amazing, and I think, a really, really talented Steelers defense. But, again, taking that on the road. And, Corey, hop in, man. This is something you've been talking yeah. about a lot, man. The difference between a rookie playing at home, getting that feel for it, being decisive with the football, and then taking it, uh, you know, away from Soldier Field.
3: Yeah, what we've seen from Justin Fields is two really good performances. We're both at home at Soldier Field, and Ike, you, you can attest to this plan. Pittsburgh is a tough place to play for an opposing quarterback. The terrible towels are out there. The crowd gets into it, and it's a different thing when you have to do those heart, those silent counts offensively, and the Bears' O-line has been kind of shaky with pass protection at times. So then there's a different element of thinking for Justin Fields. He has to worry about that, the silent counts, trying to get some of those checks doing uh, signals as opposed to talking because it gets really loud in there. So in the games, he's really struggled. It's been on the road, you know, in in a hostile environment where things have been going haywire. So I'm very interested to see how he's going to come out and perform on the road. Pittsburgh, a tough place to play, especially with T.J. Watt coming off the the past couple weeks he's had, and we've kind of struggled against some top pass rushers
2: in there. I mean, how I look at at the Chicago Bears is – I'm looking at how you should use Justin Fields against the Pittsburgh Steelers and just on all the way to, to next year, you want to use his legs first. So I know I know a lot of OCs want to throw first, but for Justin Fields, I feel like just watching his take, man, he's more comfortable using his legs first. Like the man didn't know how to slide. He didn't know how to get out of bounds. He's not taking the hits that he once was taking when it came to the preseason. So I think Justin Fields, if they have any kind of chance, you want to get him comfortable, especially on the road by using his legs. So I think they kind of figured that part out. Like, we got to let the young man run. As much as we don't want him to run, because he is our franchise, he is our future, we should let him run because he's not just, he's not just being aggressive on just running and trying to dive for the first down. He's sliding, he is getting out of bounds. So that's what I think the recipe for a hurt Chicago Bears down to their running backs. A hurt Chicago Bears not really having a a solid tight end. Do have, Allen Robinson at the wide receiver position, but you got a guy who makes it 11 on 11. That's a quarterback who can run. I think the Chicago Bears, with this point on until next year, man, let the man use his legs to get him comfortable, to get him confident, to get him started on using his legs. And guys, from from last
3: week in the 49ers game, the biggest difference, the progression I saw from him was in the previous weeks, he was looking down the field too long, holding the ball, looking at the first, second, third, and fourth read. When this week he looked at the first, the second progression, when it wasn't there, he tucked it and went. And that's why he had over a 100 yards, and he had some scrambles, 20, 30 yards. He had that Michael Vick-type fourth-and-one play where he used his feet, and that's what separates him. And, and Ike, you know that a play, play against a guy like Michael Vick that is a nightmare matchup, not only for defensive backs, linebackers, but think about, you know, the front four, a guy like TJ Watt trying to catch a guy like Justin Fields. That's that's a nightmare matchup. And then you talk about the running game, some of those RPOs, some of those zone reads, some of those design runs. It, it provides such a different el- element. And game planning for people like that, it's a nightmare for any defensive coordinator because they have to go through all the checks. You have to make sure your gap discipline, assignment sound. You got to make sure everybody has – Justin Fields at tab. so that that's why I'm hoping going forward they can really utilize him like they did last week.
2: The thing, the thing I do like about the Pittsburgh Steelers, they cool with the RPOs and they do well on running the tax because they do see Lamar Jackson twice a year, so they mm-hmm. do Lamar Jackson attack. So they they kind of used to a running quarterback. Coach T got to figure it figured out with the RPOs and the run zones. But I'm just looking at it from a Chicago Bears perspective, man. I just think. Chicago right now until next year, man, they just, or to the end of, to the end of the year, they just need to let Justin Fields be comfortable, especially on the road, just using his legs for right now.
0: Yeah. I think these are all great points too, that are also backed by stats 41 dropbacks Sunday against the 49ers. He was four, four passing on design rollouts. He had 89 out of his 103 yards rushing when they had those design rollouts. So, Design those plays, you know, make that part of the play design. Don't just make it to where Fields has to improvise and make those plays off script. Yes, he can do that, but design those in. And especially if you're talking about a quarterback running the football, like, and we know this with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, you're talking about adding an additional blocker that you normally wouldn't have. You just, you know, turn the ball, uh, take the snap and turn it and hand it to the running back.
2: Yeah, the OC has got to get in the rhythm. When I talked to B.A. when he was with us, when I talked to Ken Wizard Hunt when he was with us, when I talked to Todd Haley when he was with us, the offense coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers, they always talk about getting in the rhythm as a quarter as a coordinator. And the reason why you want to get in the rhythm, man, that, you know you get your quarterback in the rhythm, you get your offense line in the rhythm, uh, your receivers, you know, they're going to fuss and fight when it comes down to the running game because they really want to catch the ball and they always feel like they're open but at the same time man when you got a guy and i saw this guy a young ben who's not a justin field when it comes down to running but at the same time he extended plays but when you got a guy like justin fields man just let him go back kind of to them kind of to them ohio state days and and winning national championships and using with his guard given ability and right now that's his legs but to 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 do that man you just change from andy dalton so you got to change your whole playbook. You got to change Andy Dalton Justin Fields, but so now the OC got to get a different kind of rhythm. But the OC got to put his pride aside, let his ego at the front door. Understand? You know what? I do have my own playbook, but I do have a playbook for Justin Fields. And speaking
3: of the offensive coordinator, Bill Lazor, he uh, he got uh, in charge of of the play calling duties uh, right after that Browns game in there because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Matt Nagy, I mean, since. Since he's been there, you know, the offense has been what it what it has been. You know, they've been calling for him to relinquish his play calling duties. And what we've seen is progress since Bill Lazor's been there. Really trying to stick to that running game. And you talked about that was one of your keys for the Steelers. But I feel like every team that is kind of struggling offensively, and we've seen the Steelers at times with the Bears, it's, it starts with that running game. And Bill Lazor, you talked about the rhythm in the offense, and it starts with that run game. Because once you can keep a defense off balance if they don't know what you're doing, it allows that play action. So we, we've we seen a complete change in this Bears offense. Uh, Joey, you know, you kind of t- talk about that a little bit as well. But it's been night and day since Bill Lazor has co- come along.
0: Let, let me hop in here really quickly. I see the relief right now in Joey's eyes. knowing <clears throat> Now, I don't wish COVID on anyone. But Matt Nagy wasn't on the Bears sideline. I see relief in his eyes right now. Joey, go ahead.
1: Well, uh, well, two things. One, I, I'm really enjoying the word that we're using, which is progress. Which is basically, guys, we're driving. Tw- we're driving in the 25 mile an hour lane here. You know what I mean? We're not. When we're saying progress offensively, you brought it up, Mark, in the beginning. Two touchdowns, three field goals, 22 points. That's a good day for us. So, I mean, we're not exactly really close to where we want to be. But in regards to Bill Lazor, you know, Corey. You brought it up. They did this last year. Matt Nagy lost six games in a row, and then they turned to Bill Lazor and went back to Mitch Trubisky. They put a couple of wins together. The Cardinals blew it, and we somehow snuck our way into the playoffs and then embarrassed ourselves against the Saints. We ran it back, didn't work against. and now we moved back over to Bill Lazor. The only thing about it, Mark, honestly, if I can be real with you, is it was just kind of a headache because all you're going to get from my Bears buddies all weekend was – Then Every time they scored, it's just being like, Matt Nagy's not here. Like, thank God. Like, look how good we look without Matt Nagy. And then we went and we went ahead and lost by 11 points. And to Corey's point, I said this on last week's pod, it's funny, we're talking a lot about the offense, but the way that the defense performed and the way that the defense has been performing the last couple of weeks, I think is more of, you know, a damning, probably quality of Nagy's coaching future moving forward because... Justin Fields is your quarterback of the future. You're going to have to be overhauling this defense in the next two, three years. Sure, you're going to have a Khalil Mack for the next couple of years, but is he going to be prime Khalil Mack when Justin Fields actually becomes the quarterback that we all hope that he possibly can be? I have my doubts. And the fact that we were giving up you know, those big, huge plays to Debo Samuel, we were giving up a wide receiver screen on a third and 20 for 85 yards in a moment when we really needed to stop them and pin them down. That didn't happen. You know, this is all trending in the wrong direction right now. If we lose four games in a row, we head into our bye week next week. You know, not to be too broad about it, but this is that cliched kitchen sink game for the Chicago Bears this week. Because if we don't win or if we put up a poor performance, which we have shown we've done on the road before, we could be looking at some people cleaning out their offices, you know, in the following days.
0: Yeah, Joey, we were talking about before the show, I mean, 15.4 points per game. In the NFL in 2021, that isn't going to cut it. I mean, straight up, it's just not going to cut it. Let's be yeah, honest here. That's like a here. fourth
1: score. That's like a fourth score on a playoff team, on a fifth seed NBA playoff team. That's not an NFL offense. <laughs> you know what, I'm saying? <laughs> like...
0: what do? What do you point to the offensive struggles? Do you point to the line? What, what? What do you make of that? And I mean, ultimately, like the bigger question is like it goes to the front office. I mean, I I know you miss on. Tevin Jenkins having back surgery. That's a big part of this discussion as well. But what do you two point to in terms of what's wrong with the bears offense? Cause I, I mean, you're going to struggle too with the rookie quarterback too. It's not going to be, you know, smooth sailing with, with a young player. But what what do you guys think that, that it is, what the problems are? I, course, I think, Corey, I th- real quick, you're
1: going to do this yeah. better than me. I'm going to be short. I'm just <laughs> going to say identity and short shrifting the offensive line. You, you, knock it, you go for it. Yeah,
3: I, I think it just comes down to play calling because when you look at the Bears as a team, they run the football extremely well. They're averaging almost five yards a pop. And when it comes down to it at times they've abandoned the run game and and been very pass happy especially when the game is tight and situations uh, me and joey always talk about them tech i text him during the games and i'm like listen the game is within seven points it's in 10 10 points why are they abandoning the run game when Herbert herbert's averaging six yards a pop so i think it, it really comes down to play calling and, and you, you guys know in this league play callers try to get too cute at times they're like oh we can do this and justin fields can be this great passer it doesn't matter about that. It's about winning games. It's about sustaining drives and keeping, you know, your defense off the field. And I, I think it single handedly comes down to the game planning because there's been times last week when they left Joey Bosa one on one on an extra offensive lineman. You know, when, when you know Joey Bosa is one of the most talented you know, defensive ends in the game. And he meets him with a quick move, gets a sack, holding call, You know, you, takes you out of field goal range and the possibility to score. So things like that, not helping out your offensive tackles and aging Jason Peters with chip help, uh, the right side, uh, things of that nature. So I think it really comes down to, to play calling.
0: Yeah, I mean, we know all about Miles Garrett in the AFC North Division. And this past week, one of the Steelers' key plays, Ike, was getting Dan Moore, the Steelers' rookie left tackle, some help some chip help on a key touchdown pass in the fourth quarter to Pat Friermuth. So we know all about that and the importance of that. Cause when the bears and Browns played earlier this year, miles Garrett had a field day, I mean, I don't need to tell both of you, but you just look at it of what happens in that game. Jason Peters, a future hall of fame player, by the way, but at the age of 39, Brought in in August, and you've got him matched up across Miles Garrett, one of the league's premier players. I mean, there you go. Speaking of edge rushers, though, Ike, we got to talk about this too. Steelers trading Melvin Ingram. So it's a short-lived era in Pittsburgh. He heads to Kansas City to help improve the pass rush of the Kansas City Chiefs. But wanted to get your thoughts. Would you get? What was your takeaway from this trade in Pittsburgh?
2: You gotta go and I'll get your butt up out of there. So I'm, I'm just looking at I'm just looking at the veteran Melvin Ingram, man. He feels like man, right now I'm better than Hosmith. Pittsburgh feels like man Hossmith is better than you. His ceiling is better than you. He came along late last year. Now he's even doing better. So that's how I look at it. Now during training Kevin during the beginning of the season, they was looking at Melvin Ingram as the run bully. But when it comes down to passing and, and, and TJ Watt was hurt for a second. And 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 uh, was coming in. He was making plays. He was good sacked. So he also became the run bully. And sometimes you need to bring a veteran guy to wake a young guy's eyes up to be like, look, yeah, you can rush the passer, but you also need to stop the run. And I think that's exactly what Haasman did when they brought in Melvin Ingram, the veteran guy. Not only did he step his game up in the passing because he got T.J. Watt on the other side, pass rushing, but he also stepped his game up in the run stuff. And when it came down to Melvin Melvin Ingram, so. Melvin was like, man, y'all might as well let me go because I don't like my play time right now. So it was a good swap, man. A six-round draft pick for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They moved them to KC, man. KC definitely needed when it came down to stopping the run. So time will tell when it comes down, but I'm going to always stick with Pittsburgh. And when it comes down to the business the decision-making, they have. But yeah, Melvin, Melvin was time to go, man. I thought it was a good swap. I just think, my personal opinion, they like the ceiling with Highsmith, and they didn't think that – melvin ingram had a hot hot sealer and they liked the production on both sides from hot smith whether he was rushing the passer or stopping the run
0: yeah ingram traded on taco tuesday ike because now taco charlton on the active roster Derek <laughs> Tuska is going to back up at the edge rushing Energy. position behind yes <laughs> yeah. yes you see what i did there i, I appreciate hey, the you person guys person laughing at my talking. lame joke <laughs> But yeah, and it improves the the Chiefs. I tell you what, I, I liked Mike Tomlin's analogy too. Like, he's got the gift of Gab saying it's 100%. better to have volunteers as opposed to hostages. I Mike Tomlin's the absolute best.
2: Yeah, you know, you know, when you got them volunteers, man, they just passionate, they're willing to work. That's what they do. You know, we we just look at getting the community, man. When we when you want to talk about volunteering. We do it because we love it. We ain't doing it because we're about to get paid. So when you have a lot of guys that mindset on the team, and that might be a little bit of brainwashing by Coach T, because like you just said, he got got the gift of gal. But at the same time, man, when you get guys to kind of play outside their body right now, and that's Alex Hachman, man, you just got to deal with it. So I like his philosophy, man. You know Coach T, man, he good with them words.
0: Joey, do you want to weigh in anything uh, with this topic? If not, we can go on to the next segment
1: my only quick point, um, uh my only quick one would be uh just don't ever fire mike tomlin pittsburgh uh we me and cory we will uber we will road trip we will bike out to <laughs> pittsburgh to yeah. pick him up from what squirrel nut valley or wherever he lives squirrel hill For who? We'll, we'll yeah we'll happily happily bring him to chicago i'm a huge tomlin fan i
3: know love, love tomlin too but but about the pass rush um you know from, from watching film i think a guy that doesn't get enough credit because maybe his sack production isn't, you know, where one of the top D tackles is Cam Hayward. His his role in there, pushing the pocket. You talk about a guy, T.J. Watt, who really is able to eat off that edge because of a guy like Cam Hayward, just really moving that pocket inside and not being able to step up, um, you know, allowing T.J. Watt to, to really get home there. What do you guys think about that?
2: Well, Corey, I'm glad you said his name because we talk about Cam Hayward all the time. And The reason why we talk about Cam Hayward all the time because how King Henry – I felt like was to the Tennessee Titans when it came down to personality and aggressiveness and getting things going. That's the same way I feel about Cam Haywood. I feel like Cam Haywood, he's the motor. He's the attitude of the team, not only on the defensive side, but the offensive side. So, however, Cam plays, that's how the team plays. And Cam just been Mr. Consistent since he stepped in the league. Yeah, he might not win the Pro Bowl – he might not go to a Pro Bowl, get the Pro Bowl votes when it comes down to it. But his teammates, the coaches in the media, they always vote for him as all Pro. So he'll take that any day on his resume. So, yes, we talk about Cam Hayward a lot. And yes, when Cam Hayward plays, everybody eat. When Cam Hayward doesn't play, it'd be hard for people to come to the table, get a fork and get some crumbs off of it. Hey Joey, don't you think we
3: th- just became
0: th- th- best friends?
3: We, we we did. But but if I may chime in real quick, I think there's a lot of similarities to a guy like Akeem Hicks on the Bears. I think it's been shown when he's like the X factor in there. And I think, in, in my opinion, him and Cam Hayward are, are two of the mm-hmm. most underrated defensive tackles in the game. You know, they go in week in, week out. You see them mic'd up. You know, the energy, just people feed off them. And there's a complete difference when both of those guys aren't out there. And Akeem picks, Joey, you look at when he was out compared to when he was in last week. I mean, he's been banged up with a groin, still throwing, taking on two, three defenders, throwing people to the side. And, you know, it's it's great to have good guys inside because the, the defensive tackles, they never really get the credit unless you're you're an Aaron Donald or a J.J. Watt type, you know, to get the huge stack numbers. But I think those are two two guys that, that bring their lunch pail, they're old school type guys that you love to see uh, in this day and age.
1: Yeah, edge, attitude, just that intangible quality that you bring to a defense because Hicks was asked about it in the press conference afterwards. And the way that he said is, you know, if I'm going to show out, if I'm going to play out on every single play – that's a message to everyone else on this defense to do the exact same thing and he also like made the joke of you know if you keep if you don't have gap discipline and people people keep running behind you you're going to get tired because you're going to be chasing everybody all day long you know what I mean and he was that guy that was trying to you know do that little extra you know maybe sometimes you know on that running play that goes 8 10 yards you know he tracks it down and maybe he helps finish that tackle a little bit just to show everyone that you got to stay in the play a little bit and that's what Akeem Hicks brings and yeah, unfortunately, he's been a key cog of why the Bears were so dominant in 2018, and why we've had these expectations for him in 19, 20, and 21. The dude is 33 now. I'm hoping that he can have a strong finish, but it does lead the question of asking: Is this kind of the end, the beginning of the end of this Bears era of defense that we've kind of known the last three or four years?
0: No, that's thinking- a great. That's a great question. Right, go
2: ahead. If you look at a king, man, you saw when a king was healthy, man, you saw what the Bears was doing. Now the Bears, right? For some reason, man, the Bears has always been a cover two team. Always. From from the Lovey Smith days to what I know. You know, they just been a cover two team. And it starts with a two D tackle. So when you look at a King, man, when he when he has been healthy, you know, you, you got your guys at the defensive ends, they eat, you got your linebackers they eat, you got your you got your corners and your safeties. They catching picks because now you got to double the king. And everybody kind of get their run free. So when Akeem isn't healthy, man, you see, man, it's just one-on-one. Guys got to make their plays one-on-one. And it's been tough the same way with Cam Haywood for the Pittsburgh Steelers, man. When Cam is out, man, it's like it's all one-on-one. When Cam is in, man, he demands or he takes two. Uh, he'll whoop a one-on-one just like a Akeem now to a fan, the defensive tackle position isn't that as sexy as everybody else. It's not Pro Bowl. It's not high folks. But to a guy who plays football, to people who do know football, to the scoutings, to the GMs, to guys who play against them, they know between Cam and the King, man, they're the soul of the defense and the team.
1: Yeah, Corey, you got rolled inside, right? Didn't they move you inside a couple of times? Like, yeah, like, oh,
3: yeah. 2012? So, so back, back in 2013, uh, Henry Melton, you know, uh, our Pro Bowl D tackle, he tore his ACL, and then Stephen Paya got hurt, so I had to play. Actually, when we played you guys, like uh, Sunday Night Football, uh, when we played you guys at Pittsburgh, I had to play inside there. I didn't, I didn't get the sack, man. I hit him a couple of times, but man, he is a big dude. I'll tell you what, they, they list him at 240. There's no way
2: he's 240. I'll tell you that. He's about nah, 285. I was about to say, I was about to say the 265,
3: 270 piece. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think 285, man. I was on time. I was like, man, you, you're about the same as me, man. Yeah.
2: <laughs> he, yeah. about oh, 235, a training camp. It get, get about to 255. When you want to talk about December, January football. Yeah. Man, too, too, piece.
0: Too, too many Permanente brother sandwiches. That's what it is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of food, the analogy I would make, you've got the edge rushing of T.J. Watt and Khalil Mack. They're the sizzle. The interior, Akeem Hicks, Cam Hayward, they're the steak. And you combine them together. You got the sizzle and the steak. So you want both. I mean, one is not as good as without the other. So that's the analogy I would make there, speaking of food.
2: Yeah, Batman always need a robber. And, and that's, that's, that's what it's been. You know, Akeem... You want to talk about Khalil having success. Cam, you want to talk about TJ having success. So Dangle, your
0: Batman and Robin combination right now. Or a co-Batman, Ike. I, I see what you're doing, though.
1: Robert Quinn. Robert Quinn. Yeah, yeah Robert he, Quinn. He's been um, Robert Quinn's been fantastic this season. Like, no joke. It's been night and day between what we saw from him last year and what we saw from him this year. And, Corey, man, you called it in preseason. Good for you. I'm going to continue to give you credit for that.
3: I appreciate that, man. That's what the Bears have been missing, kind of that end opposite Khalil Mack when he first got there. They had Leonard Floyd, and he was kind of a run stopper, you know, for being as lean and thin as he was. Then he goes to Los Angeles last year, falls out, gets ten and a half. Um, But, yeah, Robert Quinn has had a resurgence in his career after last year only having two and a half sacks. Um, He has a different level of burst. Uh, Every game, except with the exception of the last game, He's had a great game in there. Uh not only rushing the passer, stopping the run, but when you go against a guy like Trent Williams, you know, who in my opinion is like Jason Peters in his prime. Same kind of build, um great great feet, strong strong as heck. Um yeah, he really struggled last week against Trent Williams. He was on the ground multiple times. Um you know, they call him the big silverback. I mean, that, playing against that guy, he's he's an absolute beast.
2: Hey, Corey, I got a question for you, bro. Going from that defensive end to that D tackle position, what's the hardest and the biggest adjustment?
3: I, I think the biggest adjustment is keeping your pad level down because I'm 6'7", right? So, you know, going, going from end where you're going against another guy at 6'6", 6'7", you kind of got space over there. So if if you're a little bit high, it doesn't really affect you. Inside, you know, at the three technique, possibly at a nose, you know, you get doubled all the time. So if, if your pad level is not down, you will be moved out <laughs> out the club. You know, no white tees like we used to say. Um, so that 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 what I say is the biggest difference: just being able to have your pad level down and uh, using your hands that much better because inside everything happens quicker. You know, the contact, etc. So for me. I actually, I actually really enjoyed playing inside because I felt like my length was an advantage. You know, I'm going against guys that are maybe 6'3", 6'4", you know, I'm 6'7", with, you know, 37-inch arms. Um, so I felt like that was an advantage for me going inside.
2: Hey, speak, speaking of pad level, because I, 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 I coach a 10-year-old team and I, I see it all the time, man. I try to get them to use their, you know, hands all the time. So can you just say how important the hand usage, the hand placement yeah, especially a guy six six seven. instead of using your shoulder pads, man, when you yeah. use your shoulder pads, the offense have the advantage. When you use your arms, you get the read and react. Can you tell me – can you Can you say – Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got you. Close. The yeah, importance yeah. of using your hands.
3: Yeah, I, I think it's so crucial, you know, especially for younger guys when they're learning the game. Because when I learned the game, they used to teach us the chicken wing, and that's the worst thing you could do. It created so many bad habits. And what you see is is you use your hands, you use your length, Especially as the taller guy, you keep those guys off you. Length is strength. So that guy you may be going against may be stronger than you in the weight room, but your length is what separates you. And that's why I felt like there was guys that were stronger than me, but my length made me stronger than them. And be able to control a blocker, shed him to the side, and keep my pad level down. So hands are crucial. And any young player in the game, focus on that because um, I you you can attest to this. When you see the difference between a really good college player and a really good pro player is how they use their hands, especially as a pass rusher. That's where you see a difference. A guy like uh, you know, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa, when they first came in the league, guy like uh, TJ Watt, they're able to use their hands so well. And and that that's the guys that transition well in the league because it's not off your first move, it's off your second and third move that you win on sacks. Gotcha. Appreciate
2: you, bro.
0: Yeah, no problem. We're going to keep this show rolling. Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers out against the Chiefs. And I got to tell you what, too. Jordan loves starting. I can't help but think is we ushering the new era of a great Packers quarterback because he went from far straight to Rodgers. And Joey, Joey's waving his hands. No, no, Joey, hop in. Mark, you're from
1: Naperville, man. Come on, we—they've had 35 years of Hall of Fame quarterback play, man. Like, what the, is there? Like a leprechaun? Is there some sort of deal with Satan that's happened? Like, give me a break, dude. Like, Jordan Love cannot—he just can't. I haven't seen him throw one pass. He just can't be a next elite quarterback, dude. They—they they don't. No one gets that lucky. I mean, God, like I don't know. Like even like the Steelers, they had to deal with I don't know, like Tom Zach or something like that for a couple of years. You know what I mean? Like I don't know, Mark. I just. I can't have it. I can't have him in Green Bay anymore. The trade rumors was one of the best news that I had gotten all off season and now the dude is balling out. I'm not gonna, you know, hate on the dude. He's one of the greatest quarterbacks I've ever watched play. Me and Corey talk about it. I think he might be the most talented combined mental, physical, athleticism, and just that knack for like, hey, like you want like we need some points, I'm gonna go get some points. He might be one of the most talented quarterbacks I think I've ever seen.
2: No, it's it's, it's hard to play. It's hard to replace Aaron Rodgers, and yes, it is hard to play Aaron Rodgers. I saw Aaron Rodgers for the Super Bowl, and we took that L. Aaron Rodgers was pinpoint. He was laser. He was focused. He was in the Matrix at the time when they beat us in the Super Bowl. But what I did like about Aaron Rodgers is when they went to Arizona, and he was handicapped. He didn't have a few guys who started on the offense or defensive side, and he went into a hot Arizona team and wind up getting that win. So the the players I saw what Aaron Rodgers did live in person, man, I always respected Aaron Rodgers. I always thought Aaron Rodgers was Patrick Mahomes before Patrick Mahomes. You know, Patrick Mahomes just is a little bit more flashier than Aaron Rodgers. You put Aaron Rodgers with Kansas City, Aaron Rodgers probably would have had four four Super Bowls by now. So Aaron Rodgers is working with what he's working with. But would you want to talk about, you know, quarterbacks between throwing them angles, uh, side swiping and just looking fancy and flashy and pinpoint, that's Aaron Rodgers, you know. Yeah, it does look good from Patrick Mahomes and, and the side swipe he does and, and throwing it like a baseball, but Aaron Rodgers be doing that. But he he be on point every time, you know what I'm saying? So if you get Aaron Rodgers a lot of talent, and Mark, you said this earlier during the during the uh during the summer, that Aaron Rodgers has a strong possibility of being a Pittsburgh Steelers and I laughed at you. Oh, that's what
3: I said. That's what oh. I said
2: in, in one of our podcasts. I was talking yeah, about now it. <laughs> coming to fruition, he do have a strong possibility of being a Pittsburgh Steelers, man. It's just hard to replace. And when you do want to look at Jordan Love, it's not looking at Jordan Love. It's the whispers. And, Corey, you know this, mm-hmm. what the guys are saying in training camp, what the guys are saying in practice, yeah, he the one. And they're not saying he's the one. They're not seeing nothing exciting. There's not. This is no knock to Jordan, but when you got a young guy, and you feel like he got the juice. You like, you know what? He's the one. When you want to talk about the offense alignment for the Chicago Bears, was that was Trent? He was talking He was talking about Justin Fields and training camp. Like this dude's special. Trent. Trent has seen a lot of quarterbacks come come and go in the league, man. But when you got guys talking about young guys, man, they see it. We've been scouting our whole life, and we talk about this on our show, like. If, you, if I'm a captain of Corey, you're a captain of Corey, I'm picking the first best guy, and you picking the second best guy. I'm picking the third best guy, you're picking the fourth best guy. So there go our GM skills when they it, when want it to come down to football. Uh, Joey, Mark, if y'all want to hit the basketball court on at, at YMCA or on the court somewhere in the neighborhood, y'all picking the first best guy, Joey, you're going to pick the second best guy. So there go your GM skills. So it's, it's, it's in us. We believe it. We see it because we're around those guys all the time. Thing about Joey Love and my question mark is with Joey Love, Joy Love, it hasn't been no whispers in the Green Bay Packers locker room like
0: this guy's next up. I know that Joey mentioned earlier in the pod that he was willing to drive to Pittsburgh to pick up Mike Tomlin. I think Joey's gonna be equally as willing to pick up Aaron Rodgers. In Green Bay and drive them to Pittsburgh. We'll take <laughs> I'll them get off your car. Brand new answer.
1: tires. Yeah, brand new tires. Uh, I'll get like the softest seats. I'll get some nice like air freshener stuff. Getting them you, out whatever of the you division. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah but, black and yellow Aaron Rodgers. Go for it all day. Back,
3: back to the Aaron Rodgers really quick. And, and Ike, I, I have kind of said this, and I think. Being that Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion, I think he's one of the best quarterbacks to ever played the game, right? You have to give to Tom Brady because of what he's done with rings, but pure talent and what he's done with a little. You know, that that year you guys played them in the Super Bowl where they had no running game. They had all these guys on IR, just what he does on a consistent basis. I think he's one of the best. But I think Green Bay didn't give him enough respect like they did with some other quarterbacks out there. You know, a guy like Ben Roethlisberger, a guy like Tom Brady, when they're going to pick guys and and put talent around him, they didn't really – Talk to him like they do on some of those top quarterbacks. You know, a guy like Russell Wilson, the GM, the coaches are talking to him about who they want, this, that and the other. I don't feel like they gave Aaron Rodgers that same respect. And that's where there, there was that disconnect, especially this offseason. If he was going to come back, he was going to show up. And I think, you know, being one of the best quarterbacks, you have to give him that respect when it comes down to talking about what do, what do you need what what kind of weapons do you need? What what can we do to win another Super Bowl here? And I, I they just didn't give him that same respect, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, when you when you see when you see a guy like Aaron 12, man, that's that's rare air. So you gotta respect that. You know, I think I think a lot of times coaches have egos, big egos, and they think it's just all them. Nah, that was Aaron Rodgers. You know, when you get a guy like that, they don't come around too often with that kind of talent. They don't throw them balls from them kind of angles with that kind of talent. They don't make you know something out of nothing with that kind of talent. You don't have you don't give him a running game and he's still always in the playoff with that kind of talent. You give him a defense playing against the Pittsburgh Steelers in the Super Bowl, you see what happened with that kind of talent. So Aaron Rodgers has been Mr. Green Bay. And I agree with you 100%. Like, they got to put some respect on, them, on the man name, and at least ask him who the hell he want to, you know, help the offense or maybe help the defense. But all Aaron Rodgers was like – at least y'all can ask me. Don't just go out and do it. And if you don't like it, cool. I'm fine with, with the answer. I'm fine with if you don't like my answer now. not. But Aaron Rodgers, looking at that standpoint, Like, I think my resume is good enough for y'all to give me some kind of leeway and for y'all to ask me. So I think he just got fed up like a volcano, ready to explode, man. Like, over the years, man, I'm seeing all these quarterbacks from other teams who don't have the talent like me, who can't throw the ball like me, who can make something out of nothing like me. And they're getting more respect than me. So I think this offseason, he just kind of got fed up and got tired, so he was acting the way he was acting. Y'all can say he's divish. Y'all can say, man, he was acting like a little kid, but I think Aaron deserves that respect off of his resume and the talent he have had to act like that.
0: Yeah, and he can add Jeopardy host to his resume, too, after this <laughs> offseason, Ike, so there we go. Uh, we've got 18 years of combined defensive NFL experience on this podcast. I've got to ask both Ike and Corey. Ike, I'll start with you. Von yes, Miller sir. going to the Rams. You got to be just licking your chops if you're a fellow defensive player on this Rams defense. We know what Aaron Donald can do up front. Jalen Ramsey on the back end. You pair Von Miller with this group. Good luck to opposing offenses. But what are your thoughts on this trade, this Rams acquisition of Von Miller?
2: Well, you know, I think I'm a GM, which I'm not, but I always think I'm a GM. <laughs> so I I'll, I'll look at I look at the NFC, and I will look at you know uh, they like Matthew Stafford and they as the L.A. Rams and, and and the coaching staff, and they think Matthew Stafford is God sent for them, and he's going to take them over the hump, not only to get to the Super Bowl, but to win a Super Bowl with the offensive pieces. Now you go on the defensive side, you got three guys in their prime. You got Jalen Ramsey, who I think could possibly win a defensive player of the year. You have Aaron Donald, who has been a man amongst boys since the time he stepped in the league. Now you get, hopefully, a healthy Von Miller, that doesn't add nothing but problems to opposing teams in the NFC. So you got to look at the NFC and the quarterbacks they have in the NFC. Now it's going to be an issue. So you just look at Jalen Ramsey and you look at Aaron Donald without Von Miller. It's like, okay, we got a nice two, tandem. We got two guys who possibly can go to the Hall of Fame or who will go to the Hall of Fame. You know what? Let's add us a third. Guy. <laughs> because we got the Kyler Murray's. We got the Tom Brady's. We got guys who I think not only just one not only just won a Super Bowl, but at the same time, man, Kyler Murray is hell, and you just look at the NFC like, you know what? Let's just call this problem. So I just look at, you know, the the L.A. Rams just putting all their chips in, and they're going for it this year, and I like that move. So defense win championships, yeah, we can talk about Sean McVay and his beautiful mind and how he come up with plays and formation and how Cooper Cup is balling, how Matthew Stafford is changing – you know, the program or the organization over there. But when you want to talk about adding a, a third Hall of Famer and Von Miller, especially when he's healthy, man, they think a Super Bowl will bust this year.
3: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with him anymore. And I, I think when it comes down to it, you look at adding Von Miller and then you already have Leonard Floyd that has six and a half this year. Aaron Donald's got five. You add Von Miller, that tandem over there. And how do you win Super Bowls in, in this day and age? Right. It comes down to I always think of the uh, you know Steelers when you were there. And I think of the Giants, their recipe, you know, kind of a great pass rush, great defense. And I, you know this, some of your best years is probably, it works together, the rush and the cover. So the more pressure you can generate up front, it makes everything that much easier for the linebackers, the back end. And I just I just love that pickup because I think it's going to rejuvenate everything with Vaughn Miller. You know, he started out pretty hot, was banged up a little bit, but I think this is going to rejuvenate him. Aaron Donald has has, you know, looked okay at times this year. But I think it's just going to free everybody up. You know, it's like pick your poison at this point. Leonard Floyd has been dominant. Aaron Donald is an absolute beast. Von Miller, it's like you said, they're going for the Super Bowl this year. They they finally got their QB defensively. They're, they're starting to stack the pieces together. So I love that. You can never have enough good pass rushers in this league. I mean, it's hard to find that. Um, You know, I think the only thing that's easier to find this day and age is running backs. But pass rushers are, are really hard to find in this league.
1: Mark, my only question about all this moving forward is, you know, when for next year's NFL draft, do the Rams when they cut to the room in the Rams, are they just like playing ping pong? Are they like is it like a nice like deli spread cuz they just got one fifth round pick? Like that's just kind of a nice thing. That you can kind of like sort of show up in, you know, maybe some more casual attire during the draft. Yeah, man, they're go- they're going for it. Uh good for them. I live out here in LA. Everyone's super pumped for the Rams. The new stadium's great, so why not go for that Super Bowl right now?
0: Yeah, it- in terms of uh, NFL draft setups, give me Mike set setup with his boys over there or Cliff Kingsbury. He's like a Bond villain in his mansion. So give me either of those two setups for the draft, yeah. Joey. Yeah, beautiful views. <laughs> Joey, we were talking some before the pod. I know you've got some family that are big Steelers fans, and I know you wanted to ask Ike a personal question. I'm just going to turn things over. The floor is yours. Yeah, so uh,
1: so Ike, man, I I married into a Yinzer family. They're from Beaver County. They they go to all like they've they've seen you at training camp. They've done like the whole thing. They make it an annual tradition. So I married I married into a terrible Tau family. Uh, so I was asking them, like, hey, what do you want me to ask Ike Taylor? And first of all, the one thing that came across was even with like the older Yinzer generation, I don't know what you call them, like Yeezers or whatever, but the ones that saw like the '70s Steelers they still have just as much respect for what you guys did in that run from, like, what, the early 21st century all the way through, what, 2012, like, 2013. I mean, you guys really stood up, especially, like, that secondary unit with, like, you and Troy, just all the swagger that you had. So the one uh, fan-submitted question that I have for you, they were all asking about your pick in the Super Bowl, but the other one was, and I'll keep it wide open for you, out of maybe the AFC North or maybe anyone in the league, can you name a guy that uh, – can you name a receiver that you owned and the receiver that challenged you the most or maybe a receiver that, like, it took up a lot of your mind space when you were game planning for him that week? You know, like you're driving home and you're like, man, you know, three days and I'm going to see this dude. If you can name a couple of those dudes, who would it be?
2: Oh, man, that's a good question, Jay. Um, from, from my point of view, and I, and I think the reason why I played 12 years in the league, I respected everybody. Um, whether it was a big household name or whether a guy, a starter got hurt and somebody else was filling in, I never took nobody for granted. So that's how I looked at it. I, I thought, for me, my hardest task was in practice. So when I first got to Pittsburgh, I had Plexico Burris, Heinz Ward, and Antoine randall L. So now I got three different body types. So when I go against three different body types, when it came down to the opposing team receiver, if I had a big guy, I already went against Plexico. If I got had a guy who was a dog, I went against Hines Ward. If I got had a guy who was shifty, not only was he good in football, he was also good at basketball. And at Indiana, I had an Antoine Randall. So then you can fast forward. So then that now I'll get a San Antonio After I get a Santonio Holmes. If I get a Antonio Holmes, I get a San Antonio Holmes or Mike Wallace and uh, Emmanuel Sanders. So then we let Santonio Holmes go. So now I get a Mike Wallace, who was super fast, who run by the 4-2. Then I get Emmanuel Sanders, who was a dog in the slot. Then I get a young Antonio Brown. So you let Emmanuel Sanders go. So now I got Antonio Brown, Juju, and, and and Chase Claypool. So it was it was just a lot of people I was seeing throughout the course. And one thing for me as a DB, what I did like and did understand, one thing that Pittsburgh Steelers is gonna do, man, they're not going to miss when it comes down to wide receivers. So yeah. I thought for me in practice, it was harder for me in practice. When I got in the games, my, I wouldn't say my games was easy, but I had every different kind of body type in practice. So whoever I was going to line up against, whoever Coach LeBeau was going to put me on, I just picked that choose a guy in practice. Like, bro, I need to follow you in practice because he has your body type. I feel like he has your skill. This is where I need to go. So when it came down to Sunday, that's where I was at. But, far as like disrespect and not respect the inner receiver i never did not disrespect inner receiver man i looked at everybody the same and i never took nobody for granted
1: i love that answer because it's an iron sharpens iron because from an outsider as a bears fan i'm always looking at the wide receiver position in pittsburgh and being like how did do- these guys grow on trees just year after year another amazing pro bowl or another dude that comes into the system you just imagine well James Washington is going to be amazing and now you know Deontay right. Johnson this week is is terrifying for for Bears fans I, I think that's the guy that I'm probably most scared of I think he's like 87 yard you know receiving yards over the right. last three three games um that's a really cool that's a really cool answer I thank you for doing that for me and maybe a quick follow up to uh I was trying to look up the interception on YouTube they do all these really uh, close NFL films angles. Was that receiver on a scramble drill? What what happened on that play, man? What we'll play? Oh, uh, the interception in the Super Bowl. Um, the Detroit Super Bowl. Yeah, off Hasselbeck. Nah, so
2: you know my hands was very suspect. I don't have very, I don't have a lot of interceptions. But the reason why Pittsburgh kept me was I do have one of the most interceptions in Pittsburgh history when it came down to the playoffs. So. Yeah, Rick, he said, no, I can't suspect. Playoff time, yeah, I ain't gonna catch him. But <laughs> so that's why Pittsburgh, that's why Pittsburgh catch, uh kept me. But no, nah, at the same time, Joy, man, it was just I dropped one earlier. It was, the, it was the same route. It was the same formation, and I dropped that earlier. So I saw the same formation on the second time, and we was playing cover three. So I said, man, for them, man, I know. Uh, House was gonna look at the inside guy because that's a shorter pass. So let me slide. Let me slide to the middle. Now, what we had a quarterback who now I think he's a defensive back coach for y'all. Is Deshae Townsend still there? Deshae was my teammate. So Deshae gave a nice jam on number two in the inside and he wound up overthrowing. I picked the ball off and wind up next play Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, we had that reverse Antoine running the L through it to Ward. Mm-hmm.
0: Love it. I love that. I love that. Really quickly, we've got to get to OBJ's uncertain future. He's not practicing today, so by the time this episode comes out, we'll see what his future entails in Cleveland. Ike, we talked about this going into last week's game against the Browns. It's been like oil and water with OBJ and Baker Mayfield, but we're going to see what happens there. Still has three years left on his deal. Do you? $15 $15 million this year, next year, and the 2023 season. Trade deadlines come and gone. So we just have to make mention of that. And again, a lot of this information could change because OBJ is not practicing today on Wednesday, the day that we're recording. Fellas, I want to get to score predictions, though. We've we've talked long enough. Monday Night Football, Steelers and Bears. Corey, I want to start with you. We'll go around the horn here. Score predictions, who you got on Monday night?
3: I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, Steelers 24 Bears 17. You know I think uh, we've really struggled on the road. Um, I think Justin Fields is gonna make some great plays out there, but I think this uh, Steelers defense with the crowd noise et cetera, is gonna be a little too much for them. Um, you know I, I I see this one going in the favor of the Steelers. You guys have been on a run. Ben Roethlisberger is the comfortable, Ike, like you were saying, keeping him under that that pitch count, uh, throwing the football. I think. You know, we've struggled against the running game uh, defensively. So I think Najee Harris is really going to try to go off. They're really going to try to establish that running game. So I see this one going in the favor. Steelers, 24, Bears, 17.
0: Ike, you're up next.
2: I'm going to go 21-10, Pittsburgh Steelers. And the reason why I'm going to go 21-10, Pittsburgh Steelers, is because I think Alex Hosmith really going to show out and show why they let Melvin Ingram go. I really think Cam okay, is going to step up. I really think Pittsburgh is on the road. I really do I really do think Pittsburgh has a rhythm, not only with their run game, but their play action their play action pass game. I really do think Pittsburgh will expose Justin Fields a couple on the offensive side is because man Coach T knows knows how to deal with a running quarterback. Now you get a running quarterback who's a young running quarterback. Man, it's going to be pressure. It's going to be an issue. So I just like Pittsburgh Steelers. Then when you look at Mike Tomlin and and Big Ben Reckon, when it comes down to Monday night Footballs, man, it's impeccable. So that's how I look at it. And Hines Field on a Monday night at night, man, it's no fun to play with. It's always spooky. It's always a Halloween horror night. So I got a Pittsburgh Steelers, man, winning by 11.
1: Um, I have to join the chorus line on this one. You know, I've been in show me mode with this Bears team the last couple of weeks, and they haven't been able to pull it together. They've been on a three-game losing streak right now. This is a kitchen sink game for the Chicago Bears, but unfortunately there's too many things that terrify me. Corey, you know, you've been so right about Justin Fields on the road. He's got a lot to prove. It's going to be a really tough environment. In terms of uh, Jason Peters, I like him in the run game. Terrifies me in pass pro. Larry Borum, rookie, probably going to play at right tackle. Who's lining up against him? Is it going to be T.J. Watt? Watch out! All right, and then and and, you know and and the part about the only thing that has going for the Bears in this game is I do feel like Tomlin and Nagy are going to walk to the middle field and be like, "Would you like to play a low scoring game?" And they're like, "Yes." And then they shake hands and they do that, which is good for the Bears in theory. But again, you know, when in doubt, they're going to throw at Kindle Vildor. You know, Deontay Johnson worries me. And again, I'm curious: Does Jalen Johnson line up against a bigger physical receiver like Chase Claypool, or does he try and track Deontay Johnson around the field? And whoever that isn't. Kindle door is going to have to take care of business on that side. We're a little banged up right now. I do like a little bit of a bounce back for the Steelers. I'm sorry for the Bears defense against the Steelers. But, you know, I think we still have to see some more progress offensively right now. I'm thinking like 1916 Steelers win a little ugly. Ben makes some passes. Uh, You you know, you guys get over 500, keep the train rolling. And then Detroit, baby Detroit week after that. Right. This is lining up pretty good for Pittsburgh right now. Um, I don't see the Bears winning this one.
0: I will make it a clean sweep. I've got the Steelers 24, Bears 20. And, Joey, you stole my thunder a little bit. That matchup, at right tackle with Borum. There's a difference between playing SEC football and playing in the NFL, let alone going across TJ Watt. i got the Steelers winning at home at Heinz Field. Fellas, this has been a lot of fun. I want to give both of you uh, a shout-out to and let our listeners and viewers know where they can find your work on the Believe in Bears podcast.
1: Uh yeah, you can follow me at Joey Sports Guy on Instagram and Twitter. We coast. Uh, Believe in Bears. We do a pregame and postgame every single week. Uh, we've been talking to great guests as we move forward. I'm having a great time breaking it down with Corey. I learn from him every single week just from his perspectives and what to le- to look out for. And if anyone out there's listening that is a Bears fan right now, Corey's been on this for weeks now. It is just a matter of whether the Chicago Bears are interested in taking and implementing some of his ideas for successful football moving forward Um, and guys real quick before I throw it to Corey, thank you so much for having me on guys. I really enjoy your show. Obviously a lot of my family members that I am now in love to uh, love the show, watch it all the time. So you got some fans checking it out this week for sure. Uh, Appreciate you guys. And just the work that you guys do just inspires us to be better. Really cool stuff, man. Thanks again.
3: Yeah. It's been a lot of, a lot of fun doing this with Joey. Uh, You can follow me at uh, Instagram and Twitter at Corey Wooten, C O R E Y W two O's two T's O N. And having a lot of fun. And I appreciate you guys having having us on here. It's been a lot of fun chopping it up with you guys.
2: Man, I like the collab, j- collab, Joey, and Corey, man. I appreciate y'all coming on the show, bro. This this has been real good, man. I like getting ideas um from you, Corey, especially, you know, a defensive line. So I I, I asked you a question. You gave me a nice, a nice answer. So now I can go to practice at 5:30 <laughs> and tell my kids. <laughs> Use your hands. Keep them away from you. <laughs> and, Hey, Joey, I'm going to try to convince you be a Yenzer slash Pittsburgh Steelers. I know your wife. Nah. I don't know how hard this is going to be, but I'm definitely trying, bro. Mark, you know you might. Die. You,
1: you cut me open. You cut me open. There's bear blood coming out of this one. There's bear blood coming on. With a little
2: bit, <laughs> with a little bit of hints of the Pittsburgh Steelers blood, the black and gold, baby. <laughs>
0: We'll put all of your social media information in the show notes. Fellas, thank you so much. I'll go ahead and sign off for all of us here. For Joey Christopoulos, Corey Wooten, and Ike Taylor, I'm Mark Bergen. Thank you for listening to the Believe in Steelers podcast and our guests from the Believe in Bears podcast. We will see our viewers and listeners next week. It'll be on Tuesday because of the Monday night matchup. I want to give a shout-out to the folks over at the Believe Podcast Network our producers over at Brinks TV, led by John Brinkus, Courtney Vargas, Herbert Diaz, and their team over there today, sponsor Bet Online, and to you, the listeners and viewers of the Believe in Steelers podcast. Peace.